Want to beat the burnout and find out what it really takes to boost your mojo? Welcome to the Mojo Show. Join Kyle Hargreaves and David Elko, a couple of guys that used to be fit, then got fat, but managed to get fit again. They're on a mission to cut through all of the BS from the world of health, fitness, and self-help, and share their knowledge and experience as coaches to help you consistently look good, feel great, and be at your best. And we're good. We're on. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Mojo Show with myself, David Elkert, and on the other end, Kyle Hargreaves. How are you, Kyle? Hello, everybody. I am good, thanks. I'm all good. Tired, uh, nothing, nothing new. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is it's the norm. Uh, it, it happens to everyone as you go. So first off, I've just realised while I'm holding this, uh, while I'm holding my phone in my hands to record this call, Kyle, I'd like to apologise to you and everyone on the podcast. Um, for some reason, I've got it very close to my mouth and nose, and I've got really deep breathing, and I've no idea why. So I'm not letching into the phone. <laughs> I'm just like, eh, podcast. Are you pre- <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were just practicing that meditation and breathing technique you just told me about for the, as a diabetes cure. Oh, Kyle, then that is a smooth thing. So, ladies and gentlemen, tonight, okay, it's, it's, this podcast is all about me. No, um, <laughs> diabetes. Okay, so Kyle made a, a really good question about like podcast about training with diabetes, so exercise and fitness. So, you know, for people that might have type one or type two, you know, busting the myths and the bullshit that's actually out there around it. Um, and it all started because of a conversation that Kyle and I had <laughs> prior to this, where I saw um, a personal trainer recommend uh, about a type 1 diabetic client that, one, this particular client was too skinny to have diabetes. Um, so that there's one myth that I'll come back to, <laughs> and I'll try not to rant. <laughs> and the other one was, have you tried breath work and meditation? It can help cure it. This is the sound of me face palming myself on a podcast. <laughs> um, that was a convincing sound, oh, Davis. That was that was good. Uh, mm. I, I just, you see, the thing is, I, there's so many things I want to say, both professionally and ranty, with like abusive language, but I, I just can't. I just, it's one of those. If if someone ever said that to me, like I'd probably, I wouldn't even acknowledge the conversation. I, I'd in the middle of the gym, I would literally get off like the cross trainer if I was on it with them and they said it to me and just walk away. I wouldn't even say anything to them. I would just literally walk out the door. <laughs> just, there's nothing here. It's like, no, I'm out. <laughs> uh, anyway, all right. So myths around diabetes. Go on, Kyle. Is there, have you had anything interesting because before I ran and take over the podcast for like an hour and 20 minutes? <laughs> um. Not so much myths, but I think there's there's a lot there's a lot of misunderstanding around diabetes. I think a lot of people don't understand the difference between type one and type two. Um, yeah, no, you're right. So, so I think that might be a good place to start. And then um, things like oh well, not never ever being able to touch sugar or not being able to in or think of seeing it as like um, this complete obstacle to have in some sort of normal life. I think there's a lot of, obviously there's a lot of negative connotations to it. And I think it's very misunderstood. Obviously it is inconvenient. It does cause you problems. It's not, it's not always plain sailing, but you do tend, you do have a pretty normal life at the end of the day, don't you? In a lot of what, in most ways. So, you know, I think it's just Um, about. 
I think. But like some of the, you know, the the, the Poseidon. So like starting off with like it's, it's it's even some of the language like you know a normal life. It's like the the first and the hardest part, and I think this is true of any medical condition, right? Is accepting you're different. Okay, is it's you know you can have a I don't even know how you would describe. You know, it's like, oh, do you have a normal life? Well, yes and no. Yeah, I've got wife, I've got kids, I work, I still work out, I still have fun. Is there an added challenge on top of that? Yes. You know, it's just different. That's all it is, you know, and it's not it's not even unnormal or abnormal or normal. It's just slightly different. And I think, you know, it's, it's, it's one of these things. And sometimes I do struggle because I've had it from like 16 months old. I, I don't know any difference. So, you know, in some ways, like it, it would be harder if you get it later in life. Like for sure, that must be a massive shock. Um, but part of it and the first part is, uh, you know, it's, it's like any any change or any trauma, Kyle. It's first one is admitting, you know, and everyone always says admitting the problem is the hardest part. Well, I actually think that's rubbish, personally. I think admitting is easy because that, that's the logical side of the brain. Acceptance is a completely different kettle of fish, you know, yeah. that, that requires emotional acceptance of the problem. And with time and practice it can be done and it's like yeah it's just and then you what you do is you just change your views on it it's like it's not like you say it's just an obstacle it's just a slightly different thing that i've got to do you know um and it's more than doable you know i've proof that I've, I've got a good life and there's there's loads of people out there you know sports stars there's there's way more people than you actually realize you know henry slade ex chiefs rugby player premiership level type 1 diabetic you know, so Steve Redgrave, Olympic level, you know, gold medalist, five times rowing, type two diabetic. I didn't know that. Did you not? Oh yeah. No. Yeah. And thing about that, like, especially with rowing, it's like it's one of the sports that combines both aerobic and anaerobic power. You've got to have the endurance of a marathon runner with the power of a sprinter at the same time. You know, consuming five thousand calories a day, and he still managed to get five gold medals with type two diabetes. Meh, you know, <laughs> so you can still have a, a normal life, like you said, for sure. Um, I think the biggest misconception that a lot of people don't understand is, like you said, the difference between type one and type two. Uh, all right, keep it really simple. Don't no boring physiology. Uh, <laughs> all right, I'm out, Kyle. I'm off the bunker. <laughs> so, that's it. Let, let, let me take a stab at it, just and you, so you Go can on. correct me, just just for the yeah. hell of it. So, I make really rude sounds if it's like completely wrong. It's like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? All right then. <laughs> so, type one eh. is more no, to do oh, with your your body's ability to actually produce insulin whereas type 2 is more to do with insulin sensitivity and your body's ability to use it because of well, the fact that your sensitivity to it decreases so your body so your cells can't actually uptake stuff uptake the glucose with it so you can so with type 2 you can produce it you just can't necessarily use it whereas with type 1 it's actually an issue with producing the insulin to manage the blood sugar in the first place bingo that's and that is that is literally it in a nutshell yeah I, I don't produce any therefore you know that my pancreas is kaput um and yeah type twos like you say is they, they can't use the insulin that they've got and and that can be for one of two reasons it can be the fact that their insulin itself is slightly deficient and then can't be absorbed into the cells or you've got what's known as oversaturation of glucose i.e you've got way too much glucose in your bloodstream over a prolonged period and therefore it decreases your cell sensitivity to the insulin. 
that's it that and that, that's the main difference and you know the, the the actual treatment for them you know type 2 is predominantly diet based initially diet and exercise um that you know there are if you catch type 2 diabetes early enough and it doesn't do any further damage to the pancreas the digestive system any of the other endocrine glands or sorry hormonal glands um you can actually reverse type 2 diabetes with exercise and diet yeah. Would that be what um, they would consider like the pre-diabetes stage, or would that yeah. be after a diagnosis? Yeah. Actually, no, you can still do it after a diagnosis. The, this is where it gets confusing. See, the name is the the the, the names don't help. So you've got type one and type two, and then you in type two you've got like five or six different types of type two, and it's just mm-hmm. like oh, what? It's it's kind of like seriously, you've got all these medical scientists inventing like artificial pancreas, you know, all these tools and kits that can read our blood sugar. But you can't come up with a fucking better name than type one and type two. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like seriously, what was it? You just got to the end of the day and thought, ah, fuck it, let's just call it this. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, but if you catch it like you know early, like pre-diabetes is like type two A, type you know you're sort of t- talking the first couple of stages of type two, really early on, catch it early on, notice the symptoms. You know, if you're constantly tired, constantly thirsty, constantly going to the toilet. Um, with type two, you won't get the weight loss as much. Type one, you will. Um, and it's a it's a rapid. Well, actually, it's not. It can be a rapid weight loss, but it's wait, not wait, just the wait, weight wait, loss wait. of fat. So, so you're saying you can be skinny and have type one diabetes? You can be skinny and have type one diabetes, Kyle. Yes, mind blown. Yeah. Exactly. And at the start, actually, if you're getting skinny and you've got those symptoms, it's not a good thing. <laughs> That's called go to the hospital or your doctor. Um, yeah. And then basically, now. like now, yeah, now, not later. Um, yeah, and then with type two, you that that's that can be more brought on by lifestyle and sometimes uh, other medical factors. So that's that's the main difference. The treatment, gone. No, go on, carry on, carry on. I, I, I was gonna, I was gonna the ask a question. Pretty, yeah, no, go on, go on. Oh, that's fine. Um, treatment, diet, and exercise for type twos predominantly. Actually, it, it's good for both of us for type one and type twos. Type ones will be put on insulin pretty much straight away, whether that's blood tests and injection, insulin pump, various different treatments, and type two potentially may get there eventually. You know, depending on how quickly and how their body responds, as we spoke about, everyone's individual. You know, you'll get some people like my, my father's got type two. Um, did do a bit better with the alcohol. I'm, I'm going to be honest, yeah, did better with the alcohol and some of his nutrition. Um, just didn't respond to it. Yeah, you know? so he went on insulin. Um, I've got an uncle with type two. He basically jacked in all rubbish food, and he doesn't need insulin. Yeah, and it's, it's it's part of it. Part of the the treatment with both of the conditions is as much trial and error as it is science. Mm. Well, I suppose at the end of the day, everybody's um, unique, aren't they? And like yeah. you said, be- like we said before, it depends on with especially with the type two. It depends on how your body can use the insulin. It's insulin it's got, and what you know, or to what degree it can use it. So some people may find that, like you say, by actually eliminating the crap from their diet and looking after themselves and maintaining a healthy lifestyle that they can keep it at bay whereas other people that might not doesn't matter how 
good they are, for lack of a better term, that they may still need medication. That's just the way the way the dice falls sometimes. It it does, and and actually, one of some of the most interesting, some of the most recent research about it with both type one and type two is that the type one has a viral component. Basically, it's a virus, cold, croup, something like that, that literally triggers a certain sequence in your genome that causes type one. Like you say, it's just the way the dice rolls. <laughs> you know but the same with type 2 and this is this is the bit that really interested me so yes there is a massive nutrition and lifestyle factor but much like you said is the severity of it is then also dependent on a certain genome you know and how far and how much that genome acts within that person and that's exactly what, like why you said there that some people will respond to the diet and exercise and others won't it will literally come down to a roll of the dice yay <laughs> Russian roulette. Whoop. <laughs> well, that's one of those things. I suppose you have to you have to work with the hand that you dealt, don't you? Yeah. Do you know what? Yeah, you do. And like, you know what? I'm I'm going to be honest. Are there days where I'm like, fuck you, diabetes? Bleep bleep bleep. Even the c word comes out, which I won't say on the podcast. Yes, of course there are. All right. I'm I'm a human being. You know. Uh, are there days where I'm like, nah, it's fine. Just get on with it. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's part of it. Just it's part of living with the condition. No, that's that's fair enough. I think a lot of people with various conditions would would probably agree with you. You know, there, there's always oh, going to be God, up, yeah. ups and downs. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, you had a question. Sorry, what do you want to ask? I did. I did. Now, here's 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 a myth, I suppose, that I've heard. Um, oh god am i gonna hang up on you on the podcast <laughs> no it's, it's to do with insulin and weight gain um I've, that insulin's become a bit of a the bad boy almost where people or it has been said where it too much insulin release so for example if you have a lot of sugar but relevant to diabetes or not but if you have insulin in your system then your body then starts going into fat storage mode so there's one for you. Go on, Dave. Fuck off. Fuck off. <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> okay, right. So the way insulin works is basically when you put food, particularly glucose, but it does respond to protein and fat as well in your mouth, right? Your brain registers that in both the mouth, okay, into the esophagus and in the stomach. It then sends a signal, okay, saying, I need insulin. It will release the amount of insulin that is actually required based on the food that has just been eaten. Okay, that will then be converted to glucose and fat. All right, it will then put that glucose and fat to where it's needed, whether that's working in the brain, whether that's working muscle tissue, whether that is actually fat into cells. Okay, does it potentially cause weight gain? Yes. Do you know why? Because it's a fucking hormone and that's its job. It's like criticizing a bumblebee for pollinating a fucking flower. Okay? That's what it does. <laughs> okay? Yeah? If you've got a shit ton of insulin running around your body, it's not the insulin's fault. <laughs> okay? It's because you've put a shit ton of food in your mouth that has caused the insulin to come out <laughs> and breathe. <laughs> yeah? So, yes, insulin does cause you to gain weight. Because it's in direct response to the food that's been ingested. That's how it works. That's why it there, doesn't there, work for me. There, there, <laughs> there's an important point there. 
is like you say it comes it's released in relation to the amount of food you have well if you eat more food you release more insulin but if you're (laughs) then it it, then surely it comes back down to the good old energy balance equation doesn't it because because if you're if you're taking in more than you actually need so if, if if you've got enough glycogen in your system and you're you're not burning it off and there's lots of extra energy floating around your body's going to go well okay we'll save this for later and what's the storage yeah, we'll form? store it uh <laughs> it, there's only some what, what is it it's something like four or five hundred grams of glycogen your body can actually store yeah and over that gets converted to triglycerides which is body fat yeah, yeah. which or which means body fat i should say yeah, yeah. so actually yeah it's not insulin isn't the guilty party it's it's whatever you're putting in your mouth and not using is what that basically comes down to yeah. it's like blow oh i blame testosterone and hgh for getting me bigger muscles uh, uh no they're just responding to the weight training that you're doing you <laughs> know it's not their problem okay the, the key is it's a response okay and like like we said cause and effect yeah <laughs> it's like the insulin is an effect the cause is the I would say downstream, but technically your mouth's upstream. <laughs> um, so, and that's, that's, it's a big thing for like, oh, insulin's so bad. Yeah, anyone with type 1 diabetes disagrees with you, mate. Um, and it's, and that's, that's the other thing. Like, when that myth came out, it was kind of like, oh, you know, if you've got lots of insulin. And it was like, I promise you, I'm whacking in more insulin than your body will ever release on a daily basis. Ah. <laughs> uh, you know, have I got a bit fatter as I've got older? Yeah, but at the time, like when I was, I was quite lean and fit. I was like, no, mate, nah, <laughs> just, just, just no. I can't even be bothered to argue with the science with you because it's just no. <laughs> it's not true, but, guys. It just responds to the food in your mouth. There you go. But you've just, you've just kind of made the point there, isn't it? That you, you might be a bit, you might be carrying a bit more weight now, but your lifestyle now is completely different to what it was back then. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, it was. Again, cause and effect. Exactly. Cause and effect. Didn't have a wife and four kids. I blame them. It's all their fault. Um, oh, God. Uh, I'm sitting within striking distance of the wife, Kyle. That was a stupid choice. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> You're sensible. You go into another room, don't you? <laughs> Usually, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh um you know what like, See, i think you know, another you know one what they say that, i was gonna say you know what the definition of a wise man is right it's not someone who learns from his own mistakes it's someone who learns from someone else's mistakes so there you go um, i've learned enough from your mistakes rude hargreaves absolutely rude <laughs> <laughs> yeah well you know i've got big enough gob so it's kind of hard not to learn from my mistakes um oh brilliant what's the other ones oh can't touch sugar that's a good one as well isn't it yeah that's another one isn't it is the thought that sugar is the demon and you can't you can't you can't touch it when you have diabetes now obviously we know that refined sugar is you know too much of it can be problematic for anybody but yeah there is there is truth that with diabetes that there is there are extra concerns but is it a demon (sighs) no no, not at all. I mean, especially with some of the medication and stuff these days, you know. Um, do you know what? Interesting fact. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, because I've had, I've had a lot of time to think about this. So, 
right now in these days when you've got like insulin pumps i've got a blood sugar meter and yeah you know if you're fairly new to the diabetes game you'll be taught this sort of stuff by a diabetes care team um i can check my blood sugar really simple equation you know for every 10 grams of carbohydrate i inject one unit of insulin and that's whether it's refined sugar unprocessed any any form of carbohydrate yeah so if i've got a slice of cake let's say we had a a practice bake for jamie's birthday cake the other day you know slice of cake got around about 30 grams of sugar no 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 like like decent carbs just pure sugar all right um i know i've got to inject three units for that piece of cake did i die no <laughs> again can i still enjoy cake yes no it's, it's not that bad it's it's about the, the the sort of things about knowing what your units are and if you've not done it there's a there's a course that most diabetes care teams run called the dose adjustment for normal eating recommend you go on it makes a huge difference takes a bit of time to get used to it you know you get to practice a lot of maths on it which might not excite everyone uh, <laughs> but it, it's it's massively helpful that's cool makes a lot of sense yeah so no sugar's not the demon you know you can you can still eat it, it, it you know to be fair sugar's only the demon when you miscalculate your insulin <laughs> or you know you eat too much of it <laughs> in terms of like type two it's like uh yeah because yeah then it will have an impact it will have a faster impact on type people with type 2 diabetes if they're you know sensitive to it so, so what Don't. i'm hearing then is that basically what we're saying all the time is just you know be sensible make make, make an informed decision and don't go mad <sighs> yeah it is and it's, it's, it is it is it just all of it comes to back down to that it's uh comes back down to that choice it's like you know like you say do your due diligence yeah uh what else was there there was something else my memory's completely gone what what else did you hear that's quite interesting um god you get web um, oh, yeah i do honestly web feet i'm unsure if that's diabetes or uh anything else um with training you can't you do have to be quite careful that's quite an interesting one okay so right, um aerobic activity so traditional cardio um absolutely annihilates blood sugar so you've, you've got to be you know there are certain guidelines as a as a type one i've got to stick to and i believe type two are fairly similar um you know it, i've got to get my blood sugar within a certain range to exercise too low i've got to eat um too high and i can't exercise if it's above a certain level i then can't or below a certain level i can't exercise for 24 hours so um it can be a bit fiddly on that side of things getting it within the right range to do exercise that that can be and then there's the after effects of it um so you, you've got something with diabetes this is probably the one one thing that really changed it for me in terms of all the exercise um it's something called delayed onset hypoglycemia <clears throat> right, so okay. anywhere for up to up to 48 hours so hypoglycemia means low blood sugar yeah and if, you, if you've ever seen it it's, it's got very sim, similar symptoms to being drunk basically um that can be brought on very very rapidly um without warning you know even in someone so in diabetes there's something called hyposensitivity so basically are you aware of your blood sugars dropping and what symptoms that you get you know for me i get profusely sweaty even more than normal um, <laughs> i go shaky blurred vision 
and I start waffling a lot of crap, even more than normal. I was going to say, yeah, you start chatting <laughs> loads sure of crap. Now. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, you've obviously seen me when I've liked it, Kyle. So a few times. I think wife, wife is trying hard not to, to laugh at me. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> so basically, an exercise can actually cause a very, very rapid onset you know, of that hypo attack within a 48-hour period of you exercising. And there's, there's very little warning of it. Um, and that's that's something to, to I think every diabetic type one or type two should be made aware of and every trainer, you know, because that rapid, you know, and it's like, oh, you know, you could be at home and you could have sugar present for sure. Or you could be out driving. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's something that because like, I when I first started training properly, it's like, what the fudge? You know, it's like I did this. I didn't do anything recently. I'd be sitting at home like. You know, let's say I exercised on a Friday, on a Sunday afternoon, doing nothing. I'm like, why? What the hell? Where's this come from? And it was because of the exercise session two days before. Yeah. So it can be a little bit scary. Yeah, it is. It is very interesting. I think anyone that, that trains type 1 or type 2 diabetic clients should know that fact. Mm. Yeah. And also how exercise causes their blood sugars to respond. So aerobic activity, cardio you know, long duration CV, anything over around the range of three minutes is boring. No, <laughs> it's really good for your heart and lungs, but it also burns through glucose. You know, to get, in order to get to that three minute duration where you're using fats as a main fuel, you have to go through the glucose substrate. You know, so basically you burn through all your glucose and get into your fats effectively in a really simple version. The trouble is being type one or type two diabetic, <laughs> you've got no glucose. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> you know, it can bring on the hypo side of things. Now, if you're quite, say, let's say, like you're type two and your blood sugars are quite high, you've just fairly newly diagnosed. You're just making these lifestyle changes. Your blood sugars are probably a little bit higher, so cardio will actually be quite good for you because it will start to utilize that glucose within your system and get rid of it. Mm. Yay! For type one uh, who depend on that glucose to stay alive. <laughs> not yeah. so good <laughs> okay, that's um, interesting though because like when you say that oh because because uh, yeah, um, this is me probably showing my ignorance a little bit now but i would have thought but uh, with that i suppose it would make sense you'd have to be careful with hit training as well because if you're working anaerobically then surely there's a higher glucose demand on ah, anaerobic work. now this is yeah uh, this is where it gets really interesting right because although insulin doesn't respond as well in type ones and type twos as an example yeah okay what does still respond is the liver and glycogen all yeah. right so the first thing to respond to hit training and adrenaline is glycogen so you get that initial massive spike of adrenaline which is then followed by releasing the liver and the glycogen which yeah. elevates blood glucose and this is this is this is the bit that really screws with people's minds <laughs> yeah so what happens and resistance training weight training is the same you actually get a massive spike of blood glucose first within the actual session mm. yeah same with hit you then stop yeah you finish your weight training you finish your hit obviously you're the, not then you're not then needing all that blood glucose so it effectively reabsorbs it back a lot of it back into the liver whoosh <laughs> yeah and this is where it gets quite interesting and it doesn't always come down that quickly obviously as you know adrenaline can take up to like 90 minutes to leave the system you know depending on your fitness and conversion rate blah 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 yeah 
so this is this can be quite a prolonged thing yeah it's not like whereas with the traditional like with cardio training you can notice quite a, a quick effect of glucose diminished low blood glucose that's the words yeah quite quickly whereas hit it boosts it quite high and it tends to stay in there it's really really interesting phenomenon yeah hit resistance training you get elevated blood glucose but you get the corresponding drop later on yeah well i suppose that makes sense with kind of what you were saying about the hypo what you were saying earlier the delayed onset yeah 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 yeah, and that's that's one of the mechanisms that's thought to be around it. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. I've learned something today. Mm. Also, the resistance training in here. The other thing it's quite good for for diabetics. So, really simple. Cardio lowers your blood sugar quite quickly. Yeah. Um, hit and resistance training because you stimulate muscle growth. Muscle growth and that make you more sensitive to insulin. That you actually sometimes end up needing less if you've got more lean muscle tissue. Yeah. So if I if I was training anyone that's diabetic and they said, "Oh, what's best for me for cardio or weight?" I'd be like, "Both. You need to pretty much do a 50-50 split of the two. You know, one one actually, you know, the weight training and the hit actually causes you to put more lean muscle tissue on, which means you'll need less insulin and your conversion ratios will be different and better, more effective. Yeah. However, it does cause your blood glucose to spike and can actually leave you with low blood sugar like quite quickly in a later period. Aerobically, you need to be able to good at converting glucose and fats because for you personally, maybe not everybody, but for anyone with diabetes, you know, obviously you've already proved you're inefficient with insulin. Don't work or it doesn't work as well. So aerobic activity will allow you to become more effective at utilizing the fuel that you've got. Mm simples 50 50 split makes a lot of sense and yeah and you, you know does it take a bit of manipulation with the blood sugar yeah um i think psychologically one of the hardest things to handle is you know like you, you get it kyle you know you you want to go into let's let's say it's club like the martial arts for you you know and rather than you teaching you know you're there like yeah i've got a chance to do a really good session tonight it's amazing you know i'm really looking forward to it you know, you test your blood sugars. All right. If they're below four, so like I've got a range, most type one diabetics and type two, they try and keep it between sort of four and eight. Below four, low blood sugar, eat something above eight, too high, inject. Yeah, really simple. Mm -hmm. I've also got really specific guidelines. So if my blood sugar's four and to 2.8, I have to wait 45 minutes exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, because of the glucose and the adrenaline substrate, oh, but adrenaline uptake, sorry. Yeah. And if it's below 2.8, I'm not allowed to exercise for 24 hours because it's too dangerous because I could have a relapse of another severe hypo again, that delayed onset hypoglycemia. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got very specific guidelines to follow. And this can psychologically be the most frustrating thing. Yeah, and yeah. even with the timing ones of 45 minutes, you know, you get there, you're like, I'm buzzing, I'm buzzing. Oh, you can't train for another 45 yeah. minutes. Well, you if you've only session, got an yeah. hour, yeah, yeah, if you've only got that hour to train, it's like, great, I can do 15 minutes. Again, then everyone's like, oh, you can still do a 15-minute hit session. Well, let's go back to what we just spoke about, about the high blood sugar, the low. You know, for me, it's trying to keep my blood sugar not spiking and bouncing up and down it's trying to keep it yeah. as low it's never going to be level i know that but it's trying to keep that bounce as little as possible 
and it's like i've got low blood sugar if i then do a hit session it's going to bounce straight back up and then straight back down that, that's yeah. dangerous for me that's where a lot of like the internal damage to organs eyes that's where that stuff happens it's not necessarily mm. in always having high or always low where it bounces between the two that's actually more dangerous oh, yeah. so then i can go can't do that 15 minute hit either because that's dangerous that's my workout mm. done bye and that's that's psychologically the most frustrating especially if you're really looking forward to it yeah and that's where the fucking diabetes fucky fuck 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 <laughs> that's where <laughs> that comes out that makes a lot of sense and i can understand that would be i, I would get really cheesed off in that situation i'm sure a lot of people would so i I, I, I get where you're coming from with that one. So here's another question for you. Sorry, Tom. Yeah. Um, so again, just to help enlighten the ignorant, we understand that low blood sugar or hypoglycemia, if you've not got enough energy in your system, your system can't op- operate. So then where does high blood, blood sugar become a problem? I, I was, and, uh, from my understanding is very limited. I know that having lots of sugar in a system is, is highly inflammatory and can affect the organs and things like that. But from someone who's a bit more educated on the topic, what is the danger of having elevated blood sugar for too long? Um, right. For too long, um, it basically it, it overloads the, the circulatory system effectively. Like you say, it becomes inflammatory. You then get what's known as an inflammatory response within the body. There are certain inflammatory fighting immune, immuno, parts of your immune system respond to it. Okay. They then get clogged. Okay. Long term, and I'm talking like over a period of, you know, a couple of months, it can lead to what's known as ketoacidosis. So basically, uh, sugar elevates the pH in your blood. Uh, no, drops it acidic. Okay, sorry, wrong way around. Yeah, that then (laughs) your blood, yeah, yeah, your blood becomes acidic. When your blood becomes acidic, okay, oxygen doesn't bind to it. Okay, it's what's called denaturing. Yeah, it changes the way your blood works. Oxygen doesn't bind to it. Combine that with the fact you've got all this inflammation, arteries can become blocked. You've got something called diabetic ketoacidosis. Effectively, your blood becomes acidic and it starts to erode internal organs. That includes eyes feet you know a lot of uh, external veins you can lose feet you can lose limbs you can lose eyes and the long-term one is basically heart attack or a stroke yay <laughs> all good things yeah. that you really want to happen oh, hmm. oh, exactly yeah um so yeah it can be a very very severe condition if it's not well managed yeah okay so, so what just about... like i just get on with it <laughs> So with that in mind then, because you can essentially go into a coma from having too low or too high. So in extreme cases, if your blood sugars spike that high in like, in an acute fashion, it'd be yeah. the same sort of logic. Your body's sh- trying to shut you down. To, uh, yeah, it does. It basically um, it is. It does. It, if your blood sugar does spike that high and, you know, in an acute fashion, you know, I think the the way to describe it, the best way that I can personally describe it is it's like a constant lethargy, like you've got that fog, you know, your brain doesn't work, your body's really slow to respond, you know, and it, it is literally just trying to stop you and slow you down, you know, because 
it knows that if you try and speed up, that increases pressure on the internal organs, which then obviously creates those things or the cellular damage long term. So it's trying to slow you down and say, look, rest and recover. There you go. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, actually, I'm just looking at the time. Dave, we've hit 35 minutes already. Oh, my God. <laughs> there you go. But you, there you go, guys. Um, I hope you've learned something. Uh, <laughs> you, know, you can train. You can have a normal life. Um, if you do need any help with it, the diabetes of any kind, you know, give me, give Kyle, you know, just just reach out. Happy to help. No, excellent. No, thanks very much for that, Dave. That was uh, really informative. I actually took something out of that as well. So <laughs> that's cool. No worries, man. <laughs> awesome. Cheers for that. And uh, thanks everybody for listening. And Bye. we'll be back again soon. Yeah, we will. Guys, just come and find us on Facebook. And um, if you just search the Mojo Show or the Mojo Hub, the Facebook group should come up listen to this awesome podcast and there is loads and loads of awesome content in the group sweet nice one <laughs> Kyle remember oh. end recording not hang up <laughs> oh yeah yeah last time last time I hung up and then we were panicking because we thought we'd uh, or thought I had um, deleted the recording but fortunately I didn't yay <laughs> so on that bombshell, I am pressing stop recording now. Bye, everybody. Bye, Dave. <laughs> Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to The Mojo Show. To get more from David and Kyle on health, fitness, and mindset, head on over to our free Facebook community, The Mojo Hub. It's a place to ask questions, share your wins, and get community support from other awesome, like-minded people who want to look, feel, and perform at their best without having to constantly bust their balls. Just search The Mojo Hub on Facebook. See you next time.